I think she said, we don't live in a broken country. We live in an unfinished one, but like in poetry. And so, <laughs> you know, like it is just so fucking wonderful. And please stick around and listen to the whole thing and then rewind it and then listen to it again and then show it to your children or whoever. And we fucking won. <laughs> What up, world? Welcome back to another awesome episode of the Amera Podcast. Whoop, whoop, guardware with the synonyms. Hey-o. That's right. I am reporting to you today remotely from a vehicle, so it may sound a little different. Hopefully, this episode makes it to your ears. We've got the original crew in the house tonight, minus one Tyler Grillo, who's doing special stuff. Very top secret special things. With us tonight, we've got from the Denver metro area, John Kelly, to talk about the inauguration. Hello, sir. How are you? Man, who would have thought four years ago when we started this podcast we'd have come this far? And tonight <laughs> would actually come four years. For a while, I was pretty concerned that uh, it might be eight years down the road before we had inauguration for another president. Or 12. Don't even. Yeah. I just had like a flashback of the Trump administration when he said that. Yeah. Lots of stuff, man. Whew. It's hard to it's hard to even. We'll, we'll come back. Maybe we'll do a whole recap Trump presidency episode, but that's not tonight. Tonight's a celebration, bitches. And also with us outside the Denver metro area, Mr. John Anderson. Hello, sir. How are you? <laughs> yeah, we okay. Fucking did I it, see. everybody. <laughs> oh man, I am uh I'm good, Blake. Thank you for introducing me. Um I have literally had that song stuck in my head all weekend. Uh in preparation did, did for you, this podcast. Did you think I about am... it as they were uh uh walking onto the Capitol Rotunda today to to make to make do their oaths and their speeches? Did you have it in your head? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. And then I played it a little bit too. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's been a celebration today, boys. Yes, it has been. Today was the day of the inauguration. We made it. Biden is now the president of the United States of America. What a wild officially. trip it's been. Uh, officially, for all you QAnon supporters who thought that Trump was going <laughs> to march on stage and arrest Joe Biden in front of. Everybody on the planet today. <laughs> so sorry to disappoint. I uh, it it has been uh, fun. I I have tried to stay away from the Schadenfreude of today and and just be celebratory and positive and focus on unity. But QAnon people are fucking nuts at a problem, and I have enjoyed their meltdown today. That has been fun. Yeah. Well, let's hope that that this is. Uh... This is the string that unravels the ugly sweater that is QAnon. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, what what better way to hopefully topple it than the God Emperor himself being not as effective as they thought he was going to be? Did you? I forget if we talked about this on the last podcast, but uh, you know, Trump had a send off today at. Uh, Andrews Air Force Base or Joint Base Andrews, apparently now we're calling it. I don't know why we changed it, but um, he invited they they must have just literally sent an invitation to every single uh, buddy that they had on the list because they sent it to like Corey Lewandowski. They sent it to fucking John Bolton and John just Kelly. Anybody, anybody show up, please show up. So then I, the so I can brag was... that it's the largest going away party for anybody. <laughs> they asked for five plus ones for each people that they sent each person <sighs> they sent it to, which you don't do for a White House event at all. So sad. Yeah, it's Isn't pathetic. that so sad? Isn't that so sad? They invited Scaramucci. Uh, yeah, exactly. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I think it's a, a really fitting coda for uh, the pre- the reality television show president that there was um, just a dud at the end. It was just a, a full whimper going out of the White House. Except Fizzled for, I, I guess I should say, after you know the coup and insurrection. So he that failed and then he just blew it. Oh, 
Also, uh, did everybody see that he uh, re So one of the first things he did was sign an executive order that if you had worked in the White House, you couldn't be a lobbyist for five years. And one of the very last things he did last night is he rescinded that executive order. I did see that. Wow. <laughs> Drain the swamp was a fucking lie always. Right. Yeah. Until until the people you're close with ask you, come on, man, could you please do that? I need to get a job somewhere and I'm only going to be able to get hired at far right wing think tanks to lobby people. It's literally the only job I'm going to be able to get in Washington. He's like, "Okay, I'll send it. It's fine. And how fitting was it that Trump's terrible campaign manager who was found who was indicted for defrauding Trump's uh followers out of their american dollars to build a fucking wall was then pardoned by donald trump yeah right yeah bannon bannon getting pardoned pardon is like just pinnacle trump it's pinnacle oh. trump and you know it, it in some ways like i'm glad that it's the kind of rude awakening for some people today who were like wow he actually pardon bannon who stole my money uh, i guess he didn't really have my best interest in mind uh, i feel duped and you're like nope. you should have <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you should feel duped <laughs> that's you what know, we were sucks, telling you, you for now five years that you're unfortunately a dupe and i'm sorry that's not very kind or pleasant to hear but it's also true trump was a con man and he conned 74 million americans unfortunately yeah yeah but and, you know, we're here to talk about not him. Definitely chalk that one up. The um, Steve Bannon pardon as a classic case of American corruption. Uh, I would say Trump corruption. I don't want to own that shit. Um, <laughs> but um, I did you did you guys watch the inauguration or any part of it? I did. Watch yeah. The whole thing. Yeah, I had the majority of it on. Um, I didn't have my TV turned up during the majority of it. Um, during okay. his speech, I did, um, and during some of uh, uh, Klobuchar's remarks, I did. Um, or Jennifer Lopez was singing, what was it, God Bless America or something. Yo, like did you see... Leave it up yeah, to Amy uh, Klobuchar yeah. to be the comical she relief. She was good. She, uh, she, she got great reviews uh, for... <laughs> I saw somebody tweet, can you even see my wedding? Which I thought, which I found amusing. Did you see Lady Gaga totally. just fangirl so hard yeah. over Michelle Obama. I very much enjoyed that. Oh yeah. At the end yeah, when she yeah. was walking out. That was that was really fun to see like yeah. a, a absolute mega celebrity uh I have been uh, really, really happy with uh, some of the social media outpouring about uh, Michelle Obama today. They were just like, on a good day, she comes dressed up. Look at her four yeah. years ago when she knew it was a fucking disaster. She showed up and was just like, fine, you know? <laughs> today she like rolled it out. I was like, hell yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, out of all of the crowd gazing that I was kind of doing as I was trying to work and, and listen, um, two, the two best things to me, one was the pan to Bill Clinton falling asleep uh, at one point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he may that. not have been totally falling asleep, but his eyes were closed for multiple, multiple seconds on my TV, which is great. Uh, and then two, uh, the uh, just Bernie Sanders, just rocking the old man puff coat. And wool gl wool gloves <laughs> mittens. <laughs> oh, have you Not seen yet, the no. entire genre of memes that that spun out? Oh, there are so many. Like, um, there's a we're gonna get a hockey reference in here. There's a there's a picture of um, the Toronto Maple Leafs getting uh, a puck shot into their bench, and everybody is ducking, including the coaches. And John Tavares is just. Staring daggers straight ahead, giving zero fucks about the puck, and they they uh, uh, photoshopped Birdie in there in the same pose, and it was just perfect. I saw another one of um, the picture uh, from I think the making of some uh, of the Empire State Building, I think, but of um, a giant skyscraper and there's all the guys sitting on the beam just hanging out in the air with the lunch pail it's like the most famous working class picture <laughs> yeah and they just uh, had no, the, the only one on the i end. saw was uh <laughs> a, a, when he was entering and he was carrying like a manila folder and they were like yeah bernie's showing up like he's got to go to the <laughs> got to go to the post office uh -huh. to send some shit it's not even the only thing he's got to do today <laughs> 
like, that's, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, I saw something that was like, Birdie shows up dressed like this is a thing he's got to do, but it ain't his whole day. Oh, man. You know, but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, but, you know, uh, getting back to, to, I guess, the seriousness of it, um, you know, after all of the craziness that was last week in Washington, D.C., um, and and the insurrection and the march on the Capitol and the the real threat to our democracy that was taken, it was just cathartic to sit there and watch the ceremony play out like it was supposed to. That was a peaceful transfer of power with Party members from both sides there supporting what was happening, supporting American democracy. And even with all the craziness, uh, I think that's a very important point that we market. We still did it out in the open. We said, does not matter what happened last week. We're still doing yes. a ceremony. And and Kamala Harris and Biden stood up there and took their oaths of office in front of the public. And Biden made his remarks. And it's exactly what it should be when it comes to the celebration of our democracy. I was very nervous about um, having it out in the open, and uh, I had a lot of sympathy for the argument that they should do it virtually. Um, I knew Biden was going to—there's no fucking way he was going to do that. He uh, was like, nah. I'm so glad he didn't. Yeah, it was the uh, right call while, that while needed I, to While happen. I have an understanding—yeah, while I have an understanding of it, it's like I, I would have been a very vocal voice and being like, it's a shame that it didn't happen. Yeah. In, in uh, on air in public and and going um, if they had decided to go the other going way. back a little bit a couple of days um i would i would recommend to people uh definitely watch biden's speech from today but also watch his farewell speech from delaware um he gets emotional and it's nice to see uh a president with real human emotion again um, well, besides anger, yeah, that besides was the only anger. one the old president did. Uh, the the yeah. thing, though, that was really striking, and it's funny because I was talking to my dad, and he he brought this up himself, and we, we had the exact same thought, which was, that reminds me a lot of Lincoln's farewell speech in Springfield when he went to Washington. Just like the emotion of it and, and the journey going there and everything. And it it – I – Literally based on absolutely no evidence to make this clear, uh, I have a suspicion that Biden has a feeling that it's a non-zero chance that he's not going back to Delaware. And so, yeah, could you know, be. I, I, could I, be. there, there, yeah. I think there was, I just, I just want to like observe the gravity of the moment, I guess. And, in, in that. Well, it, it, it's important too because future generations, when stuff trickles down, it's written about but historically and people understand it. Those are the type of things that get passed down and that are important about something. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but, you know, Biden's the oldest man to ever be elected president, yep. right? Yep. Um, and there, you know, just health wise, we don't know what's going to happen, but there's a chance that he's not going to last the four years. Yep. Um, and it's probably the highest it's ever been. Um, in terms of any other sitting president when it comes to whether or not they're going to make it through their four years. Yeah. Uh, if if you were going to bet on it, if there were Vegas uh, betting like odds on it, it would probably be, you know, the closest <laughs> to the house winning on bets I, that, that we've ever yeah. had. I'd say uh, between his age um, and the volatile nature of the country, uh, that's probably correct. So maybe Lincoln, <laughs> but other than that, right. states had seceded. Right. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, right. it is, it is. And, 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 and we should again, recognize this, that that's the kind of situation we are in this country and it's, we're going to, um, celebrate today. It's really important that we celebrate today. Uh, but then it's, it's work tomorrow and we're going to have to continue to do that going forward. It's actually well, Biden, and, and, Biden's already gotten to work. He's signed seven, I think it's 17 executive actions already today. He rejoined Paris. Um, let's hear what else did he do? He uh, he rescinded the 1776 commission. Uh, oh yeah, he, fuck he, that he shit. Right, yeah, he rega uh, reinstated diversity trainings. He basically reinstated DACA as a federal government. He stopped uh, the pipeline from being built in Alaska. Right. Um, you know, really doing his best to try to stop some of 
some last minute, but also longstanding Trump administration policies that were nothing more than executive actions on Trump's side himself. Um, So very, very impressed, really, with the start the first first couple hours. I mean, he's he's done a great job, I think, of uh, appointing people to his cabinet that are solid, senior level, appropriate forward thinking bureaucrats that really will help in solving problems. Right. <laughs> Very Trump's serious text. human beings. Uh, yes. Yeah. Is what, which is what you want. You want yep. those people to be in positions of power within the government. Um, for and, sure. And they look a lot like America too. Yeah. Diverse, <laughs> which is great. Huge, also, huge point. Quick note. Um, I saw that Senator Hawley has put a hold on uh, Biden's DHS uh appointment uh i forget his name uh first latino though um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and apparently holly you know he he doesn't want the homeland protected from insurrectionists i guess it's just it is fucking unbelievable that he is doing that i really i think that him and cruz need to be expelled from the chamber which is within the right of the senate to do so uh i i think we should just boot them the fuck out i think that I mean, um, multiple yeah. people should be removed or expelled from from office yeah including uh, one yeah, uh yeah. miss uh lauren bobert who's reported to have given the tours the day before the insurrection yeah so we're still waiting on the investigation again we need a 9 level 9 11 level commission um if, and i believe there's a investigation that started yeah, I, I, yeah, we're moving that yeah, way. It, it, it started. Yeah. Um, even if uh, Laura Bobert had not apparently been a captain in the insurrection, it seems like maybe uh, she still would be very worthy of defeat in 2022, and I look forward to participating in that. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, she, yeah, she's already started her own campaign against it. Uh, you know, saying that she's only ever brought her family into the white uh, into the Capitol building, and I don't know if that's true. I literally like literally there's no way to tell at this point without a thorough investigation because it is all hearsay one way or the other in terms of who she brought in the Capitol. Her statements on Twitter and her actions of the day are not hearsay. Those are in public record at this point. Yeah. Um, so that that's a different story. They're going to review um, all the security footage and they'll find out exactly who gave those tours that day. That's for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. That should yeah, be 100%. pretty knowable. So we shall see, but yeah, I, so, but I, uh, I don't, um, I think it is important. I love Bi- Biden's stance on unity. I think that that is the correct stance that he needs to take. However, I do think that individuals in the country need to advocate for accountability. Um, li- like Amanda Gorman said today, um, we found that, uh, oh shoot, what did she say? Um, we, we found that silence was not exactly peace, but she said it in a much better way. Um, <laughs> Which, which is, yeah. is it's a good true. paraphrase, though. I, I didn't, I, I didn't hear, I didn't hear a statement, but you know, it's correct. What, what we hope to see for, um, you know, I, I, I hope you understand, listeners, after listening to us for four years, is that we really care about the institutions of this country and the bedrock of what makes our democracy great, which is a trust in our democratic system, and then making sure that the institutions work the way they're supposed to work, and so. There is absolutely power in the legislative branch for them to censure people within the Congress and to kick people out. And if that doesn't work, if there's not enough political will to do so, to censure Ted Cruz or to kick out Lauren Bobbert or whatever it might be, then it comes down to us as the people again to to make sure that they don't get reelected and they're not allowed to go back to Congress after that. So, I mean, there's, there's ways to uh, remedy it if it comes back to the people having to do themselves, but you know, at least, at least at the very least, there needs to be some uh, censure uh, in both the Senate and the house and kicking people out. is a very extreme thing that um, will not necessarily do a lot for the unity cause that, that I think Biden's really looking for. Um, and I, maybe this is a good time to get into a speech a little bit from today and actually uh, talk about it. Cause I, I think he did a really good job of uh, standing up there and making some really strong statements about why it's important. We come together. We need to hold people accountable, but we all need to move together uh, as a country to face 
the important crises that we're yeah. facing. Um, a it, number one being the coronavirus, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. His speech got really good reviews. Um, people like Chris Wallace on Fox news were praising it. I've seen a lot of people say it was the, Chris Wallace said it was the best inaugural he's witnessed and he was there for Kennedy in 61. So yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it, it's such a 180 from Trump's carnage speech from four years ago. It sets, <laughs> yes. it sets such a different tone, but it also, uh, I, I saw a really good, um, a, a piece about it this afternoon where it was like, uh, Biden's going to talk to the American people again. Finally, like we're all adults and we can handle being talked to like adults and trying to act like we're all adults in the same room. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that Trump vacated with his speech and his rhetoric. Um, he talked down to people. He talked down to everybody else uh, and coddled his supporters, um, which is a dangerous combination. A president should talk to everybody on an even keel. And here's Americans. a very specific example of why that's dangerous. The first rule of a health crisis is be honest with people so that they can understand and properly react to the situation. And we have Donald Trump on tape in his own voice saying, I don't want to tell anybody how bad the coronavirus is because people will panic. Right. And that, again, yeah, is like how condescending is that? It's also the wrong thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Totally on Jupiter because people were already panicking about it. Yeah. And what and, you did and, is you what you did is you you increased the panic for people who were already panicking and then allowed the rest of the emergency to get more and more out of order. Yeah, it was it. the worst of all worlds, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, if if we had even if we had a fucking President Cruz, he would have come out and said, This is really bad, it's really dangerous, it's gonna be really hard to get through it, but we're gonna get through it. That's literally Mark President Rubio would have done that. President Perry would have done that. Uh President Klobuchar would have done that. Like literally President Pence would have done that. I I, feel, right. I have a lot of faith yeah, that no, any I, other I, I human in yeah. America would have done that. Be expected from somebody like Donald Trump, who just from day one of his inauguration. And let me remind you too, it was pouring rain that day, which should have been a sign to all of us of what was coming. <laughs> but his inauguration speech, which was uh, Kelly, I think you said it earlier, uh, American Carnage, right? Yep. That really painted foreshadowed the entire four years that we just got out of. And the, you know, th there were two days that I think foreshadowed the entire four years with, and they're back to back, which was the inauguration. And the next day was the women's March. And I remember watching the inauguration four years ago and being thoroughly fucking impressed and just like, I don't know, this is fascist nonsense and I don't know how we're going to get through this. And then the next day we, went to the women's march and i was like oh this is how we're going to get through this and it was it was uh so uplifting to be there and that set the tone of resistance yeah, for the whole 100%. four years 100 percent, man I, I i agree with you and i think that's why it's important to look back at exactly what you said john which is celebrate today enjoy the fact that biden was elected it took a lot out of a lot of people the last four years uh but you know come tomorrow Come next week, it really is going to get back to figuring out all of the issues that are within this country and figuring out a way yep. forward, right? But it's a lot easier to deal with the things that are serious issues in this country when you have a president who actually acknowledges them and you have competent people <laughs> yeah. around him that will help to carry out plans that help the most American people as they possibly can. So it's, a, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very much more optimistic and it should be. Yeah, because uh, because Donald Trump brought none of the things to the table that Joe Biden actually can. He's the opposite. They're the opposite yeah. people. Um, but yeah, I um, I've been reflecting on this a little bit the last couple days because I wasn't sure if we were going to quite get to this moment, and so now I I can relax and reflect a little bit. Um, but you know, we we talk about how like so many things broke over the last four years and my heart uh, how many people yeah <laughs> no shit um <laughs> and how many people died you know and i want to acknowledge that 
we're celebrating today because we made it, but not everybody made it. And so like, it's really, really important. We acknowledge that, but I want to, I want to, it, it is important to me that we also acknowledge that through a tyrant doing everything he possibly could, uh, including an insurrection and a coup through a literal pandemic through the worst economic crisis that we have seen probably since the Great Depression, and most people have already been through the financial crisis 12 years ago, through all of that, we put on one hell of a fucking election. And we, had, yep. we had more Americans vote by a lot. You cannot account for it all by population growth. Uh, in a literal fucking pandemic, um, we had state after state after state institution hold. We had our courts hold. We had our military hold. Our institutions held. It was down to the fucking very last thing, but they held. And so yeah. the fact that we were able to pull this off, I, it, I'm starting to think now that we're, we're basically through it. That despite all of this, still America is a testament to democracy. Like we still are an example to the rest of the world for how to put on a fucking election. And and yeah, I, I mean, am, I, I just want to say I am absolutely so fucking proud of everybody who participated in that. Yeah, and I mean, and it goes for people on both sides, right? Even the people yeah, that 100%. lost, it's good. You made your voices heard. There was more Republican votes this year than there ever was in 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 modern America, basically for a presidential candidate. Um, I think and, we can we can say this that we're on this podcast. We think it's a good thing that so many people came out to vote. Yeah. Now there's a little bit of like, oh my god, they voted for Trump. But we're n n we've never said don't don't vote. What we're saying is we need to persuade these people that they're making the wrong vote, and and that's the essence of American democracy. You lose, you get better. Right. You don't cheat. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You don't you don't cheat at it. You don't stop other people from voting just because they have a different opinion uh, from you. Uh, but you know, I, I'd also like to say because I, I I agree with you 100 percent, John. Um, I'm not so quick to jump on it and say that democracy is saved yet, because um, I think we do have uh, have some tough well, no, years that, ahead of us still. Um, yeah, that and, wasn't exactly my point. It, but it, fair enough. Uh, but w what I will say is that we did use uh, a lot of rhetoric on this podcast in terms of breaking or institutions being broke. And we were always talking about the potential of it. Right. What's the worst that could happen? And you are absolutely correct. And basically that Trump came in and tested and pushed the boundaries of just about every institution we can possibly think of that a president has direct access of power to in the executive branch, as well as trying to push for more influence over both other branches of the federal government. Uh, both the judicial and the legislative. And you're correct. Our institutions held. The Constitution was strong enough, really thanks to the people in this country that care about it as much as we do, to stand up and go, all right, party doesn't matter anymore. This is ridiculous. We can't have uh, this type of despot coming in. We cannot have this type of authoritarian regime come in and push all of the boundaries to a point where there's no coming back from. And so I tip my hat to all the civil servants that were around doing their jobs properly. I tipped my hat to Mike Pence last week doing his job as vice president and head of the Senate. I mean, I, I tip my hat to a lot of people because we all made this through it together. And yeah, there's still a lot of anger that Trump lost unfairly and that the Republican Party didn't get exactly what they wanted out of all this. But it doesn't matter. We got past the hurdle of a potential authoritarian party, small wing of a party coming in, taking over that party, and then taking over the rest of the country. Because that's basically what this was when you look at the growth of what the Trump supporters really truly wanted um, in this country. And so, you know, uh, it gives us a, a roadmap, an idea of better ways to make our institutions more secure, more free, and more democratic in the years to come, which is really important and something we can all work on together. Uh, but yeah, they held. They held to this point. And, so. and, and to your point, like they held. They held to now. 
right? Which was the point yeah. I was making. We need to celebrate that. But uh, they're already in Michigan trying to remove that Republican from the uh, uh, county board that voted to certify the election. Yep. The, uh, a Republican official in Gwinnett County in Georgia said, we need to change the rules or we're never going to win again, which, by the way, is not how you win in a democracy. The way you win in a democracy is you have better fucking arguments, not you you change the rules. So, yeah. I mean, we, democracy, we know, we know that the republicans are facing a true crisis at their core uh we, yeah we, we called we, we, the potential <laughs> disillusion of the republican party prior yeah. to donald trump being elected he only made it worse for them yeah uh, he's he's already floated the idea of forming a new party the patriot it'll party be the patriot party which is the bull moose party but for racists <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah 100 so that'll be fun yeah. um I I don't I I a lot of people have been dunking on that, including myself just now. But I actually fear for that because, like, a lot of people want to see the Republican Party die. I want to see the Republican Party be a true principled conservative party. I I, I think that that would make the country better ultimately. Yeah, but we don't have, have a conservative democracy. party yeah. in this country. It doesn't exist. We have a racist party and we have a liberal party. <laughs> we don't have both parties are happy to spend money. It's just an argument about what they're spending money on. Right. We need an actual party who's going to a conservative party who's going to come in and be like, hey, 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 liberals, we're not going to spend that money. And then we're going to have an actual like good faith argument about how to allocate scarce resources. And that's how this is supposed to work. But right. it hasn't been for yeah. a very long time. So very just to, and, and I, as an exemplar, you can't have Trump in there for four years, raising the spending every year, including large increases in military spending while cutting social programs. So there's really no difference and, there and cutting taxes. And taxes. You can't you can't it's have like, that and then come back and say, because get ready, it's going to happen. Definitely before the end of February, you're going to have leaders in both oh. the House and Senate coming out and say, we can't vote for any of this because of the deficit. Does anybody remember the deficit? What about the deficit? It, the, the deficit was rediscovered by the Republican Party at 12.01 Eastern time today. <laughs> today. Today. Yeah. Five, five and a half hours ago. Yeah. Yep. That might, I mean, that, I think it could happen. There are some freshman Republicans who, for example, voted to impeach Trump. And uh, I you know, they might be that future for the Republican Party. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I will admit I don't know their voting records or, you know, if they're fiscal, fiscally conservative. You know, but. what's wild <laughs> is Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney has carved out an avenue now to become the leader of a true conservative party with her vote to impeach. So, and there, there's something like 130, basically the Jim Crow caucus, uh, which is a term coined, I believe by the Lincoln project, but anybody who voted for decertification or voted against certifying the election, um, that's not the right yeah, word. We'll, we'll have, we'll have to see, we'll have to see because, you know, just, just like with anything else, what's happening right now in the Senate, when it comes to potentially convicting Trump during a trial, as well as where a lot of, uh, both, younger uh, Republicans that have been just elected and ones that are part of the quote-unquote Jim Crow um, caucus is that they're all going to make their decisions based on a political calculus of what's going to be best for them during the primaries in 2022. And is that going to be continuing to support Donald Trump over the next two years, or is it going to be a rationalization about him as a cancer to their party and cutting him out. And we'll have to see what happens. We, I, I don't know where they're going to fall. A lot of it's going to come down to how they perceive uh, their voting blocks, where those got, where they're sitting. And it's, it's impossible to tell right now. It's too close to the election that was too fraught and too contested. Are they going to be able to come back as a party in general and force all the blame together on the Democrats enough to get people excited to vote for them in 2022? Or is it going to be an implosion where they argue about whether or not Donald Trump was the most important part of their party? Or is the conservative values that propelled them into a lot of wins over the last 30 years more important? I say that. I think the, yeah, go ahead. I, I say if they want to, if the Republicans and, and if any of you freshmen, uh, Republican Freshmen, senators are, are listening to this podcast. This is for you, right? You this mean down. all of them? Yeah. What I would do is 
to be a lead, a true leader, I think, and to rebuild trust with the people and then really lock in some wins, I would try and make better the voting system. So in reference to one of the last podcasts we did, I mentioned just how terrible the process is, how like muddy it is and inefficient it is. And there's all, the, it's like our tax system. There's all these loopholes kind of, <laughs> like it's so complicated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there, yeah. It's so complicated. It's easy for somebody to be like, oh, fraud, you know, like fraud, fraud, fraud. Or manipulate. Yeah, manipul- yeah, yeah, exactly. I, so let's, Blake, I agree so with you 100%. What I would say that, is, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The Republicans could take the lead on cleaning that up and making our system up to date and on par with other systems around the world as far as voting and election. Uh, security and prods go. And then if they back that program, boom, they just gained a bunch of trust with a bunch of voters. Yeah, Easy I win. agree. I Easy agree. Win. And to, and to further it and to further yeah. it, be part of the working solution with Democrats to try to cut big money out of elections, out of our election cycle and out of politics as much as we can. Um, if, cause if they let a charge on that, you'd have so many people on the Republican side, jump back into it and feel legitimate again. Yeah. Yeah, right. Even because yeah. a lot of the Trumpers, that's their biggest uh, one of their biggest concerns. Right. The whole drain the swamp. If you got money out of it, I think it might help. My next point, which is that Democrat Democrats can't really do that, because for what you just said, Kelly, is that like Trump supporters, for example, they already don't believe that the system works. So we would need the Republican Party to lead it, you know, to make to make those people really to buy in on on it being real and tangible and and. Uh, foolproof. So I have two like very divergent thoughts on this. Number one is um, the House in 2018 passed uh, HR one of that session was a democracy bill, and it looks like the Senate is going to pass the same uh, with the Democrats. Um, it'll probably have to go through a filibuster. So um, we'll we'll see if we get 60 dem- or. 60 votes in the Senate, we're going to need some Republicans, but we might have enough to get there. Um, I think that would be, that is what I would do on day one. We have to fix our democracy. We have to make it functional for the 21st century environment. And so I am, I, I am glad that that's going to be HR one and SR one. Um, if primary reform is not a part of that bill, I think that any almost a significant amount of Republicans who support it will lose their primary. The unless we deal with gerrymandering and the primary process, these Republicans who are voting against democracy are making the right political calculation for winning re-election because they're districts are so fucking conservative because of gerrymandering that they are more likely to lose to somebody on the right during a primary than somebody on the left during a general. So I disagree a little bit about like Republicans need to lead this. Um, I, I, I don't think that they can. I don't think that they will. I, and so unless primary reform is a part of this, but again, you know, 130 Republicans went through an insurrection and then still voted against the 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 election so what so, i'm saying is if i was one of those freshman republicans and i wanted to take up like a leadership aoc type of uh uh i guess personality within my party i would find something real like low-hanging fruit for me to uh, work on and i think that would really help establish a solid foundation for your political career moving forward and get, like really lock in your your seat with your constituents for years. Down I agree with, with all of that, except I don't think democracy reform is low hanging fruit for any Republican. I think it'll be extremely hard for them to do it. I think it'll be, and, and it like long term, it might be good for their political career, but short term, I think it'll be bad for basically any Republicans political career because of the primary process. So I just disagree that it's low hanging fruit, but I think it would be the best thing possible for the country is to do a whole bunch of things like, um, yeah, uh, same day voter registration and, um, universal registration, uh, make, uh, the election a holiday, um, get dark money out of politics, 
Um, I mean, basically, I would say no money. I mean, but we'll need a constitutional amendment for that. There's a nonpartisan redistricting. I mean, there's a, a litany of things that we need to do to make this democracy better. And I think it would be the best thing that any politician could support right now to be to to make sure our country is healthy. And again, it's not some high-minded ideal. Democracy is the best form of government that we have found as a species to make people's lives yeah, I, better. That's why this is so right. important. And I, I, and I agree with you. And, and Blake, it's not to throw, throw it back in your face. The Republicans just don't have the power to move anything in either of the chambers currently, which is why they should sign up and get along and, and try to help Democrats pass these types of things. And I think it will help them. And I th- and, and honestly, doing those types of yeah. things, especially a lot of the, the, the voter reform stuff and the reinvigorating our democracy for the 21st century uh, is something that both sides can agree on. Party people that are uh, in tuned on both sides really want that kind of stuff, both Republican and Democrat voters. So it works well for everyone uh, yeah. at the end of the day. America. Another thing that we need to fucking deal with is, is propaganda basically, which is uh, the stickiest problem to me. At first, it, it seemed to me to be a supply side problem, which was Fox News is just shoving a bunch of bullshit down everybody's throats. And so like, let's there's there's things that you can do to to fix Fox News on a regulatory level that is not um, oppressive to free speech. However, with the migration of Fox viewers to places like OAN and Newsmax, it appears that we have a demand problem, and that is terrifying to me. Because how do you fix that that demand problem? You're basically talking about deradicalization right. and counterinsurgency right. shit, and so like that is fucking. A much, much, much harder problem to solve. And and that is going back to a couple discussions we've had on this podcast is like, we have to have conversations with people in our lives that are going to be hard and uncomfortable and not very much fun because 100%. that's the best possible way to de-radicalize somebody. Right. Yeah, you, you definitely have to ask yourself, why is there such a demand and a growing demand for this type of content? I have theory because of, uh, of Hollywood and all the crazy, stupid <laughs> sci-fi <laughs> zombie movies. No, <laughs> um, so there's a personality type that is—it's um, known in political science as the authoritarian personality type—and there's a—it a, 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 seems like based on survey data, and it's really interesting how they get after this. They—they—they they, they can't be like, "Hey, are you an authoritarian?" So they there's ask mo- you yeah, about multiple parenting different surveys that uh, they've done principles and like ways, if you are one of them is really interesting, right? Um, and so uh, it seems like about thirty percent of our population are these type of people that are um, very into order. They're very into hierarchy. Um, things like they're they're very afraid of the other. Uh, however, they define the other, and so that happens to match with about the core of Trump's uh, support. And so, I, I I don't think that's by mistake. I think that's one of the ways to explain the um, slavish devotion to him because it matches the authoritarian personality. So, you know, I I, I think that's where we're at with those folks. And, and uh, like, I mean, what the fuck do you it, do about it, that? It, it, and so, and some of those studies have further postulated right that basically what you see in the political spectrum is how human beings cope with their reality so, <laughs> yeah. right it, 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 that's basically yeah. what they're trying to explain yeah. why, why people gather in certain groups and that's exactly right is that people on the right usually tend more towards law and order have a greater fear of things that are outside of their comfort zone right outside of that they have that othering thing people on the left are, are less interested in law and order more interested in justice and equality right and you see and you see that in just personality traits from people and you get turned down into these different levels um and so it 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 does get really difficult because it's you can't really change someone's core belief about you know there should be structure in society we should have institutions cultural institutions political institutions that help reinforce uh safety reinforce the idea of togetherness uh none of that is an issue none of that is a problem it's a problem when you start to radicalize it and it's once you make that leap it's hard to drag back you into a 
even to a state where you can have a conversation with someone about that, about pump the brakes a little bit. The other side's not trying to kill you at every state. They're not literally trying to make sure that you can't worship the way you want to, that, you know, you can't have the type of family you want to, that there's going to be no security in your community. Um, but it, it is difficult. People get scared and they, 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 shut off that's that's what i give it to more than anything else is that people are scared in this country for a variety of different reasons a lot of which has to do with the media radicalization and the news they report 24-hour news cycle where it's nothing but sensationalist and fear-mongering in a lot of ways Uh, and then you base on top of that then you have silos of information that people don't feel comfortable getting out of and they get scared and pissed off when they have to get out of them and uh, that's really where we are today. It's, it's not, it's not going to be an easy uh, process coming out, but hopefully we can uh, continue now with a new president and then hopefully with some saner, uh, calmer heads on both sides, go forward in a way that you drag more people back into the fold rather than alienating them. And I, I think a, a wonderful vision of what you just said, Kelly, was Amanda Gorman, who is the uh, absolute just mind-blowing so good uh poet laureate 22 years old one of those one of those instances where i was like cool i've already failed at being important (laughs) in the world because this 22 year old is just fucking kill it it's the same way i felt when i was like 25 and 18 year olds were getting drafted into the nhl but she was remarkable i've i've watched it multiple times today it's like five and a half minutes folks we're gonna we're gonna play it in its entirety uh to end this podcast because we think it's so important and i think it gives us a really nice vision going forward a really good way to think about uh i think she said we don't live in a broken country we live in an unfinished one but like in poetry. And so, you know, like it is, it is, it is just so fucking wonderful and please stick around and listen to the whole thing and then rewind it and then listen to it again and then show it to your children or whoever, your parents, whatever. And it is just, it is, it is remarkable. So we hope you enjoy and we fucking won and Godspeed everybody. Mr. President, Dr. Biden, Madam Vice President, Mr. Emhoff, Americans and the world. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace and the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gazes not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together, victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. 
If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promised glade, the hill we climb, if only we dare it. Because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a forest that would shatter our nation rather than share it, would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. In this truth, in this faith we trust, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption. We feared it at its inception. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it, we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be, a country that is bruised, but whole, benevolent, but bold, fierce, and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens. But one thing is certain. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. So let us leave behind a country better than the one we were left with every breath from my bronze-pounded chest. We will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the West. We will rise from the wind-swept Northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked South. We will rebuild reconcile and recover in every known nook of our nation, in every corner called our country, our people diverse and beautiful will emerge battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it.